we're doing this show because it's real and we're vulnerable about it and it's a struggle. So, yeah. you know, to all of you who are listening, you, you benefit from our struggle. This is a fit mess with Zach and Jeremy. All right, here we go. This is the fit mess. I'm Jeremy and he's Zach. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks so much for listening to the show. It's going to be, I think, an interesting conversation. Um, you, you know, Zach and I try uh, very hard to be open, be very vulnerable on the show, and, and sort of share uh, our struggles with whatever it is, our, our fitness routine, our home life, whatever it may be. Um, for me, I'm sitting in front of the microphone right now on a beautiful, sunny day in the middle of fall in Seattle. Uh, and that's extremely rare and, uh, it's been very cloudy and rainy and dark and heavy. Uh, and I think all of those words can pretty well describe the way that I've felt the last few days. Uh, even now I, I, I'm feeling a little bit of relief. I, I got outside, I got to ride my bike on a, again, a very nice day. Uh, that always brings some relief, but prior to that, the last few days, it has been very dark. Uh, I've been struggling with, um, some pretty heavy depression, uh, and that may be seasonal. That may just be because it's my life. Uh, but f- from that experience, I, you know, I try to remember over and over that the only way through it is resilience. Uh, and we have a couple of experts that we're going to talk to here in a little bit uh, that have gathered uh, a, a great deal of stories about resilience, people overcoming tremendous odds to um, to come out the other side, to, to go literally from chaos to clarity, as the uh, title of the book implies. Uh, so we'll hear from them in just a little bit. Um, but, you know, like I mentioned, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a hard few days for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm here. I'm trying to share that, uh, to, again, just be real, to be vulnerable, to, to show that um, this is something that, that I go through. Uh, Zach, I know you're all the way over there on the other side of the country. Just just living a peachy, perfect life. Am I right? Something like that. Something like that. I'm definitely not looking out at the sun. I'm in my basement looking at a wall, and it's really cold out here in New York. So yeah, it's it's like a minus four or something for you, right? Uh, I think it's like 35 right now. Jeez. But um, we had our first snow the other day, so that was um. That was a little depressing, but it's a good thing I've been told I have resilience, so I got through it. <laughs> well, you're you're uh, sort of proving the point that I keep trying to tell myself. Uh, you know, I my I've shared on Instagram and, and various places that uh, you know the the diet has been sort of off the rails. Exercise has been hit and miss. I've been pretty good this week, and and that may be also helping sort of lift the cloud a little bit. Um, but we were just talking a little bit before we hit record here and, and you were saying that you, you are sort of doing all the things you've got your diet dialed in, you're exercising, you're doing a lot of things to sort of battle the demons and it's working pretty well for you. Yeah, it is. I mean, it keeps me above water. Um, it's so quick to set in, but yeah, um, I've got the exercise kind of dialed in. I, I joined a new gym, a CrossFit gym. So I'm actually like going for the community, which is cool. Um, and I think that alone is is a pretty contrib is a contributing factor. Um, right. It's not just working out and eating right. It's, you know, um, it's the connection that we talk so much about when we talked with the Johan Hari, it's, you know, a lot of depression is the fact that we are so socially connected through applications that we're not physically social with anyone anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that, that social outlet is, 
is really important to me. And, you know, having moved to New York, I really didn't have, you know, a group of friends uh, like I had in Seattle. So, you know, that that hit me pretty hard. But, you know, I think I said a few episodes ago that when I do get in, get down into one of those funks, I have to use it as a reminder of, you know, this is why I do all these other things Mm -hmm. to keep myself just above the water, because most of the time that's where I'm at just above the water. So, you know, working out, eating okay. Um, I've been trying cryo-freezing my body. That's That's been pretty cool. Um, doing compression therapy. And, okay, so yeah, and, I, have, I have questions about the compression therapy because you, I think you've shared, uh, at least with me and, and definitely online one photo, but you've shared a couple photos of this compression therapy. What the hell are you doing to yourself? So it's really, um, so it's right, it's really useful like right after a really hard workout when you have like a bunch of lactic acid built up in in your muscles and it it really just compresses and moves the fluid around in your legs so that, you know, um, have you ever worked out and then two days later you can't walk because yes. you're so sore? Yes. This re- this doesn't make it go away, but it makes that pain significantly less. Okay. And you heal and you heal faster. How is it different from like an ice bath or, or like ice packs? Um, very different. So when you're cooling yourself, that is going to reduce inflammation for the most part. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's there's a whole bunch of other things that happen when you're cooling something, but for the, the main reason for cooling a, a body part is to reduce the inflammation there. The compression is actually moving all the fluids and um, things that are going to make you sore, the lactic acid, out of your leg. Interesting. And flushing them out of your body. Or huh. your arms or your – your. my favorite is actually the hips. It like squeezes the crap out of your butt and just compresses your hips. Which uh, I okay, really I get it hips. now. I get it now. You're just trying to get a little action. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the only action I get, so <laughs> – but, uh, well, that's cool. But it's it, cool. It, it's it, fun. It looks very intimidating. Like, are you, are you stuck? Like, does somebody have to get you out of it? Uh, the arm one, someone has to get you out of because they're, they're actually, um, so compressed. Like you can't, you can't, um, you can't bend your arms. Uh-huh. The leg ones you can get up at okay. and out of like the hip one is like a big pair of underwear that you put on. And... <laughs> it's a little weird at first, but it does. It sounds ridiculous. <laughs> No, I, I, I tested out the, um, you know, I took a look at like what my range of motion was in my hips before and after, and mm-hmm. there was like a few degrees extra oh. of range of motion in my hips after I did the compression on my hips. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was, it was definitely interesting, but the cryotherapy has been, um, really helpful for me. I think even just like one shot in there, I noticed like my whole body felt better. Now, I think you tried that in Seattle before you moved uh, back to New York. Is it pretty much the same? Pro- like, explain what the, what the cryotherapy is that you're going through. Yeah, so it's pretty much the same thing. But in Seattle, I rem- the I only did it a few times because it was like sixty dollars a pop. Yeah, and that was, you know, a little pricey for me. Mm-hmm. Um, here, the gym that I go to, they have a whole cryotherapy section that includes like an infrared sauna and if you're a member of the gym it's a hundred dollars a month for unlimited usage oh nice from a financial perspective it's like a no-brainer if you go and use it three times but um so cryotherapy is um i guess it's liquid nitrogen it's super super cold so there's a couple different levels that you can you can use but the i do level two for three minutes and what that means is i get into a chamber that is cooled and continuously cooled and spraying liquid nitrogen on you 
um, that is tuned to negative 135 degrees. Jesus Christ. It's cold. It is. Like the first minute and a half, you're like, uh, all right, this is this is slightly uncomfortable. But then after the last 90 seconds, like my forearms and my calves start to hurt. Like, you know, that it's got to be from... like hypothermic. It's how I don't oh, understand because yeah. like a you... cold shower is maybe what, 30 degrees. Not even it's like 40. Yeah. And that's brutal. Like if you're, you know, if you start doing it, you can get used to it, but it's brutal to stand under cold water for 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever. Negative a hundred and what? 135. That's negative 135. How is it healthy? That's, how does it not kill you? And that's negative 135 Fahrenheit, by the way. Right. Um, no, it actually, because it's just hitting your skin in, in like a gaseous form, it doesn't feel that bad like it at first. Okay. Like it gets really, really cold. But when you turn the cold water on in the shower, like that's a shock. Right. Okay. Whereas so it's, when you, it's the boiling frog. Yeah, okay. essentially. Okay. But it only takes about 10 to 15 seconds before you're like, whoa, this is cold. Okay. And so, then, so the point though, again, getting back to the ice pack analogy, is it the inflammation? Is that the point of doing it? For me, it's the inflammation, yes. Okay. Um, but then there are some other benefits too. So when you do put yourself into, when you when you freeze your body like that, you essentially trick your nervous system into kind of doing a little bit of a reset and like all of your blood pools back into the core of your body and becomes um, super rich with oxygen. Mm. And it kind of stays rich with oxygen for a few hours and you have like a euphoric feeling and your brain fires on all, you know, just, just a little bit better. So, um, but my reason for doing it is for inflammation because my whole body is, I mean, if I look at something that has gluten or sugar or dairy <laughs> in it, my body gets inflamed. So, well, that's because you I, can't, you can't help yourself and you shove it all in your face. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's how it goes. But like, I mean, when I eat keto without without dairy, it's just when I get the carbohydrates out and do all these other things, like I can tell, I can feel it. Like, it's weird. I feel like my body is smaller. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. And it's just inflammation. Interesting. I think I've been going through some of that myself, just in constantly sort of starting over with my diet. I just sort of constantly feel like crap, either because I've eaten something that my body is rejecting or I'm trying to purge it from my body uh, and not sticking with it long enough to get to that to that clear point, that point where your body's just like, oh, okay, yep, that's how we're supposed to work. Yeah. Um, so that is this sort of vicious cycle that I keep just rotating through, either purging or filling it with toxin, you know, terrible nonsense. Um, and so then that sends me down this spiral that I'm on. And, and so uh, where I'm falling short this week um, with diet, which hasn't been too bad, I've I really started over with exercise. And I know one of the first things that I did when I first, um, you know, took on all of this effort and, and trying to go down this path and, and go on this journey of, of better wellness, it started with yoga. So I mm -hmm. started with that on Monday. I just went down and did my little 20 minute yoga session and it's the weirdest thing. Uh, the The yoga itself is is not challenging. It's um, it's a, a really beginner level uh, thing that I use. But 
I can I could feel something emotionally open up, and I sort of forgot mm -hmm. that element of it. Like I I approached it so much from just a physical like I just need to move my body and stretch and do some sort of exercise. I approached it from that method or from that point of view. Um, but there's this weird emotional unlock that happens, and I know it's it's so much like meditation when I do that consistently, um, where you just you do release whatever it is that you're holding on to through focusing on breath and not getting caught up in all that stuff. And I see so clearly now how I'm my my thoughts overrun my day. I have a hard time letting go of things. I'm just stuck. Uh, and when I do yoga or when I do meditate, I can, I can so clearly see the, the ch change, the, the two different ways of being. Um, and when you're starting over, like I am, it's, it's such a big mountain to climb. Um, but each little step I know is toward the right thing, but sometimes it's exhausting. Sometimes it's, it's overwhelming to think about how how much work it's going to take to get back to feeling the way I did and then how much work it's going to take to maintain that and how much, no matter how hard I work, it will never stop. The struggle will never stop. If I'm, if I, if I'm consistent and I stick to it, I'll build up the resilience, I'll build up the strength and, and the mental you know fortitude or whatever to overcome those challenges better or, or to get through them better. Um, but it's, it's so hard sometimes to, to accept that the struggle will never end. I will never get to a point where life is just kind of easy. And, mm -hmm. and I don't know, that's just the most overwhelming thing sometimes. And it just is enough to completely knock me down uh, and, and make me want to give up. Well, I hate to get all project managey on you, but you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, is the whole eating an elephant analogy. How do you do it? And it's just one bite at a time. If you're looking at, you know, and, and from a project perspective and this, I look at my life as a project. It's just one ongoing project with no end date. Right. Um, when you look at the whole thing, it's really tough. Like it doesn't, I, I totally agree with you. Like, look, you know, thinking about everything that I'm going to have to do just to get into the grave safely is, <laughs> um, is a little bit overwhelming, but uh, it's, you, you know, you, and what you a shitty take... way, what a shitty way to end the project, by the way. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's, that, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's completion. I mean, as long as you're, in, as long as you're climbing into that grave with, um, a minimal amount of regrets, um, because we're all going to have them and you've done the best that you can. I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, like for me that that's okay. Um, cause the, wow, this got dark, dude. <laughs> that's okay. We, we, we can, um, yeah, no, when that day comes, it's, I, I don't want to have a lot of regrets. I know I'm going to have some. Yeah. And one of the things I know I will, will regret is that I didn't just take it day by day and figure out what I needed to do to feel good for that day. Um, but see, that's, I think that's where I struggle so much is 
that I, I know that. I'm fully aware of, of being in the now and, and, you know, today is the only day and, and all that shit. Um, but sometimes it gets so heavy that I can't, you know, I, I can't find the strength to lift the book that will help guide me in a, in a new path. I can't, you know, get on my bike to go ride, even though I know it will help. I can't just sit and meditate even though I know it will help. Or even when I do, the thoughts are too strong and I can't beat them. Um, right. But you do reboot eventually and you get back yeah. to feeling good. And I mean, let, let's use the analogy of a computer. Occasionally we need to reboot, right? Mm-hmm. Things just get too much and we need to shut down, start over yeah. and come back up and, and operate a little bit smoother. Yeah. And that's, Unless you have a Mac, then you just run forever. You just run forever. No, no problem. Pro- no problems whatsoever. Unless you spill a beer on the keyboard. So I've been told. Um, no. Who would do that? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think I'm I'm at the point where the circuitry is overloaded. And this is one of those points where I'm either this morning I hit reboot and things are just sort of coming back online or or whatever. I don't know. But, but I also need to find a way to be okay with that. Because, you know, when when I lose the fight, I lose big. Uh, yeah. and, and it takes a lot of work to get back in it. And so that's where I'm just kind of lacing up my boots and, and getting back in it now. Um, and, you know, it's overwhelming. You know, I've, I've said on the show before that if I, if I look at the list of things I did to get to what I felt like was sort of a peak, I never would have done it. I just sort of did them one thing at a time. But now that I'm aware of all the things I need to do, it's overwhelming. Um, it's overwhelming, but you've done it before, yeah. you know, and, and through the whole process, you've built resilience, which we'll hear a little bit more about, but that's kind of the key to it is, um, is being resilient. You, and I don't know, I don't know how you get resilience short of having to struggle through things. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think we're all, anyone's pre-programmed with, you know, an exceptional amount of resilience. We just, we, you develop it. It's it's like any other muscle or any other skill that you develop. It's something you have to work on, and yeah. that's that's what we and un- are here to do. Unfortunately, those of us who have struggled the most have a lot of resilience, and I think I think we'll hear, you know that that to be true with, you know the the authors of the book and the the multiple authors of the uh, book that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and those uh, authors are Reverend Patricia Caginello and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. They are the authors of Chaos to Clarity, Real People, Real Pain, Real Stories of Transformation. Uh, I'll tell you, if if you're the kind of person that likes to read about uh, people overcoming the odds, uh, overcoming impossible challenges to get to the other side uh, and to be better for it, this is the book for you. Uh, we had a chance to talk to them about this book, sort of uh, how it came together, and, and to share some of these stories. Let's just start with the book. Where did the idea come from, and how did it come together? Well, this is Patricia, and the the idea of the book came from, uh, ultimately, initially, my spiritual journey. You know, our company is called Sacred Stories Publishing, and, and what I've learned over the years is not only do I learn and draw inspiration from my experiences and my stories, but from sharing and hearing of other people's stories. And so in conversation with Kat, she's had a lot of similar experiences like that. And so together we were 
were having a conversation and we were saying, you know, what if we kind of put a call out around the world and asked for other people's stories, you know, their hero and heroine's journey and, and, and see what we get. Just ask them to share with us a significant change in event in their life and see what we get. And, and what, we, what we received back really just kind of blew us out of the water, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about that. Some just amazing uh, stories of resilience that, that come out of uh, each of these individuals. Can you talk a little bit about uh, sort of maybe what surprised you uh, as you started collecting these stories? One of the things that really surprised me, this is Kat, was how when Patricia and I were reading through the stories uh, and uh, doing the first uh, editing sweep on them, we suddenly realized there was this amazing golden thread running through all the stories. And that thread was didn't matter whether it was men or women, and we have both in the book, uh, men and women, because it's a global voice. Uh, the thread was that when they were down and out in, in their, their deepest funk, whether they had lost their spouse, um, their spouse was killed or their spouse died or they lost a child, or they just got out of an abusive relationship, they reached out immediately and looked for other people who were in a similar spot in their life. And they gave them a helping hand. And by helping them up out of the depths of despair, out of their chaos, they both walked together into clarity. And that just blew us away. Every single story. And we did not ask for that. We, it never even occurred to us. It was just a natural byproduct. And to kind of add to that, you know, the other thing that was really just so beautiful is that, again, we kind of put a global call out, and people from around the world, we have a Japan, South Africa, Europe, Canada, United States, as Kat said, men and women. And, and what we found is that regardless of the situation, and some of them are joyful stories, some people's significant change was, you know, lovely in, later in life or, you know, mm-hmm. other joyful situations, you know, and some are battling life-threatening illnesses. I mean, they run the gamut. But what is what is really the common thread of all of them as well is that the shared emotions that everyone has, and so whether it was fear or, as Kat said, despair or joy, it doesn't matter even the situation. We find ourselves in the emotions of others, and, and that's what kind of brings us together. And, and that was just so powerful as we were compiling the stories we chose um, in the book was the, the shared emotions that we as, as humans, you know, have. So is that is that uh, in the book you mentioned the phrase worldwide oneness on several occasions and I, I I really liked that phrase to the point where I I wrote it down and wanted to ask you about it is is that what you've just described does that encompass the worldwide oneness or is there even more to it than that Well I think that our world is experiencing uh catastrophic shifts right now on a physical and emotional level and change can be really frightening yet change is the natural process of life and we wanted to show that without change without that that you know kind of pain of change that birth that rebirth of ourselves there's no future and out of chaos comes a clarity for a new order in life and I think that on on a global level we're all experiencing that and so those in the book who were extremely sensitive to global change found that it was affecting their lives on a on a personal level and we wanted to show that so that 
other people out there who are going, oh my gosh, I just can't take any more, because some of the, the authors in the book were contemplating suicide, and now, you know, they're they're so far removed from that, and they're so successful, and they're so happy. And so one of the things that Patricia and I, when we saw that, one of the things that we wanted to do was work our insights into the book from a psychological uh, point of view for the psychology of change is what I did. And then Patricia focused on the spirituality of change, and that gave the book that extra little bit of, um, information uh, that allowed people to focus on the messages a little bit better. And it, you know, in addition to that, um, Zach, to answer your your question, as as Kat said, I wrote on the spirituality of change. I'm an ordained interfaith minister, and so my journey has been a very spiritual journey over the past eight years. And and one of the things that we share in the book again is the shared the shared emotion or the I have a quote in the book that came to, you know, really kind of felt a few years ago that is in the experience is the emotion and in the emotion is the gift. And what I found in in my journey and and what I I talk and teach about is the idea of the the personal journey and then the collective journey, and they really are parallel. And it's almost like the microcosm and the macrocosm, but there's nothing that we can do individually that does not have a profound ripple effect out into the collective Mm -hmm. consciousness. You know, I mean, you can even just think on on a... positive aspect, the idea of prayer, global prayer, what is that work? It's that concentrated, you know, that collective energy that comes together. And and on a less positive aspect, you can think of a mob, mob, mob mentality or something like that. So what we do, what we feel, what we experience, how we show up in this world has a profound effect, not only on ourselves personally, but on the larger collective. And And that's another aspect of the worldwide oneness that that really shines through in this book, and that's why we're just so delighted the way this book came together and to share it because we see it as having a really positive, profound effect on that larger oneness. Uh, there, there are so many directions I want to go with that, and one is uh, going back a minute. You were you, you were really talking about uh, change and and the significance of change, how how powerful it is, how scary it is. Uh, it's funny to me how the universe works sometimes. Last night I was uh, I was watching Netflix. There's a show called The Mind Explained, and it was talking about change and and how scientists over the years have have been able to look at memory and the most significant memories that people hang on to throughout the entire span of their life are the ones where there was the most significant change. And with that change often comes the most growth. And I know for me that's the case. It's you know, whether it's getting a, a new job or, or trying, you know, a diet that works, that makes my body work better, uh, trying a workout routine that, that works better. You know, when I first started doing yoga, the, the emotions that that unleashed, uh, just those, those, it's just so interesting to me how so many people fear change so desperately, but that is where the real growth in this experience comes from. Absolutely. You know, I call change the golden nugget in the book. And, and part of the spirituality of change is that exactly what you just said, Jeremy, that change is our, is our event. It's the change event in our life that allows us transformation. And if we choose, it can be on a, on a 
very profound spiritual level as, as well. And the reason, you know, I would suggest for that is because it, it catches our attention. You know, we, we're so busy doing and we li- we're so distracted with everything that's happening all around us all the time that we just kind of, you know, I was leading the quintessential 50-something soccer mom, northeast life, raising my kids. You know, I was doing life. It was fine, but I was doing it. And it wasn't until I had an event that significantly changed my life that it caught my attention and really, you know, lurched me onto my spiritual journey. So absolutely, the, 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 we have to have our attention caught, you know, for lack of a better word. In the old paradigm, or what happens most of the time, it seems that it happens through illness or it happens through trauma or it happens through pain. You know, we need an emotion deep enough to stop us and to say, well, what's happening, and now let's, we have choices. That's the change event. And, and ultimately, you know, it can happen in joy as well, and, and, and I'm hoping that's part of where this book takes us and where my work takes us is that, that we can have those deep emotions that stop us in our track and affect change in our lives. But, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the spirituality. And, and Kat, from a psychology perspective, you know, um, you speak in the book about how change is the number one phobia. And that oh, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, because it's fear of the unknown, you know. And and uh, when we come through it, like you were talking about, Jeremy, when we come through it and we find that we're okay, we're still alive <laughs> and we're all right, right, then we just hang on to that memory because we kind of need that memory in case we come up, uh, up against change again and it's reassuring to us. And so the stories that we hold in our mind about our our personal change uh, gives us a blueprint for rebuilding our world when the change happens again. And so in a way, all of these stories are a GPS for those still on their journey to transformation. Absolutely. You know, and if I can just add one more thing, because I – one of the things that I write about in, in the book, among the stories, you know, there's 30 stories, and they're profound. And as Kat said, we give our perspectives based on, on our experience. Um, one of the things that I write about, and it's titled, it's the end of the book, it's called What's the Plan, Stan? And I speak about that idea of change, like Kat says, the unknown. And somehow, whether we choose the change um, or it's thrust upon us, somehow we were afraid of it or it's fearful or upsetting to us because somehow we think that we will be um, um, worse off than we maybe currently are, even if we're choosing it. You know, there's that concern around it. And so what I speak to is the perception of the change, the perception of the way we ask the questions, the perception of how we we show up. So I, my example in the book was a question I asked myself a few years ago, which was, uh, you know, what am I going to do the rest of my life and how am I going to support myself, for an example, you know, years ago. And I was like, whoa, well, okay, that was enough to bring anybody to their knees. But what if, because my question is laced in that something is not going to be as good as it is today. I'm going to be losing something, even if it is an aspect of my identity. It will be less than I am today. But what if we were able to view the change in our lives and and ask the question differently, a little bit more lighthearted or with, with hope, you know, or courage of knowing it can be better. So instead of saying, what am I going to do the rest of my life and how am I going to be able to support myself, I ask, you know, what's the plan, Stan, right? And and somehow it doesn't seem so overwhelming and it doesn't seem so bad. And, and you know, it's kind of a lighthearted 
almost like a lighthearted story, but the the essence of it is some really profound, um, um, you know, information that people can use in in how they're perceiving to look at how they're perceiving the change. So I, I want to switch topics just a little bit and and ask you a question about some of the stories that are in this book. Um, I certainly identified with some of them. My favorite one in the entire book was was Shift Your Focus for Change um, by Eileen Bild. The phrase, you know, that 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 she used in that story, take me or heal me, I'm not doing this anymore. I, I absolutely love that part. And reading that story, I really identified with it. And and we have very similar paths in, in a lot of ways. You know, the, the whole reason that we do this show is because I suffered through so much stuff and I got through it and I want to give it back to the community. So that one really struck me. It was very profound. What is your favorite story in the book and why is it so, why is it so important to you? Which, which stories? Well, I really, you know, I really loved the foreword. There were, there were a number of them, but I really loved the foreword of the book by Dr. Bernie Siegel because he talked about something that boomers um, and, and a lot of people are, are going through, and that's the loss of a spouse when a spouse dies. And, and you're left behind, and what do you do? It's it's a big change in your life, especially when you've been married, as long as he has. And, um, you know, my story in the book is something that baby boomers are going through now, which is losing your parent. And you suddenly find that after you've lost both parents, you're an orphan. You know, you're, 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 you're no longer a child, you're an adult, but you are an orphan. And so um, I thought that those, uh, perceptions of the chaos to clarity that many people are going through in their lives right now was really interesting to me. But Eileen Bild, you know, her um, focus on uh, fibromyalgia and the pain she was in and not really wanting to go through that pain anymore and shifting her focused, focus onto how, you know, how she could find uh, clarity in her future was an incredible you know, story. Um, she during a, a life coaching session, she had her aha moment, and um, then she she got these words, "I am a guiding light," to show people the way, and that was her turning point. That's where she decided that her significant shift just rocked her world, and she was going to stay in it. You know, I I think it's really difficult to pick. A favorite, to be quite honest, and I'm not copping out. I will, I will tell you one that I, I think is one, one of my favorites. And, and the reason is, you know, they're, they're so varied in, in topic. And, and I think some of our favorites, as you mentioned, Zach, is what relates, what we can relate to as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite, and I think it's because I have a cousin who's just recently gone through breast cancer surgery, but it would be Connie Bramer's story, and it's her story of um, of not only surviving breast cancer, but even dating after breast cancer. And, you know, she even tells the story about online dating and, and how the gentleman wants to know why her hair is so short. You know, and she finally put up a picture of her hair, and it's maybe, you know, an inch long, and she said, you know, I'm, I'm just recovered from um, cancer. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, best of luck to you. Sorry, I'm not interested in, you know, dating someone who just 
went through cancer or something like that, something just completely and totally um, uh, uh, just not unkind, you know, I mean, just unconscious and unkind. And, and But her story is laced with such great humor and uh, self-deprecating humor and I and 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 how she moves through everything and I love her story one because unfortunately so many people today are are suffering with an illness and breast cancer being um being one of them um but she really shows as Kat said before the GPS she really shows a way through it and a way out and and her way is through is through humor and so I, I just think she has a great story in the book it is a great story. I, I I really enjoyed her response to that gentleman about uh, the bus. That was yeah, that was enjoyable to read. Yeah, um, yeah, so, it's relatable. I think that's what, you know that's what where Kat and I were both reading these stories, and we're like, these are just so phenomenal because they're so relatable. And and again, whether or not any of us have that particular experience we can understand the emotion we know how she's feeling because the emotion is what is universal right so how many stories did you guys have to read like weed through like you i I believe you said there's 30 stories in the book is that right yes i think there's about 30 and, and you know we read through every single story that came in and i have to tell you they were all Every single one of them were truly wonderful stories, but some of the stories just didn't fit in this book. And so it wasn't that they weren't good stories. They just didn't fit in the Chaos to Clarity book. They were more like uh, stories about growth or something like that or or memories. And so we simply uh, told those authors that we loved their stories, because we did, and that we would save them and keep them in mind for another book, but it wouldn't be a good fit for this book. Because this book really is about a significant change, you know, what really kind of stopped you in your tracks. So what was the change? What is your journey through the change? And then what is your positive perspective or outcome on the other side? We really wanted to show the mm-hmm. the journey. We wanted to give hope and inspiration, uh, uh, again, to go back to the GPS, something where people can can read it and and draw courage, draw inspiration. You know, I mean, storytelling is as old as time for for many reasons, but I believe one of the main reasons that storytelling is so profound is because it is such a non-telling way of, well, you have to do this or you should do that or somebody trying to fix your problems. You can simply read a great story, have the experience that you you know, want to have or that's resonant to you as the reader, and then you decide what you want to do with it, how it affects you. And um, mm-hmm. and it's what makes them so powerful. And every single author in this book is a hero in their story. I, I found that just phenomenal. We asked for the story to be as a hero's journey, and every single author was a hero in their story, and some of them pointed out other heroes in their stories, too. You know, and one other thing I just want to mention about the people in the book, which is so phenomenal, in addition to being men and women from around the world and countries around the world, they're all ages. We have mm-hmm. early 20-somethings, and we have people that are in their 80s 
and late 80s, um, and every age in between that have written. And, you know, unless they tell you in the story, it gives you a clue to how old they are, you would not know because, again, the age doesn't matter. The story, the emotions are universal, and we feel them, you know, really at, at whatever age we're at. And, 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 again, that's part of that unifying human uh, oneness that you find in this book. You could really see that in some of the stories where uh, the people's were the people were or the authors were very late in life and they were falling in love again, and and they fell in love with the same intensity of a sixteen-year-old, and I, I found that so refreshing. That's funny. You know, you mentioned the, uh, the sort of the journey that that people take when when they do. Uh, you know, embark on something like uh, so many of the people in these stories, like Zach and I have done, just the the decisions that we make to um, sort of uh, face our fears, face the challenges. There's, I can't remember where I read it, but there was, uh, I saw a meme or something where somebody mentioned that, that, uh, you know, the, the challenges and the struggles and the changes in life, they don't ever stop. There's never a point in your life where, you know, you've, you've made it and everything smooth sailing, but these stories of, overcoming change and building resilience make those moments easier to manage because you grow from them, you get strength from them. Are there, you know, we talked a little bit about focus shift when it comes to change and and sort of reframing the question of what am I going to get out of the other side of this? What would you suggest to somebody who is facing a big challenge right now or has a big change coming up and they're worried about it? What what are some tricks that maybe they can employ to try and make, make this process a little bit easier? You know, for me, what was a really big shift in my life was when I realized I wasn't alone. And that was another reason of wanting to do this book. When I was going through my life event, and I write about it in the book, you know, I didn't believe, honestly, that anyone else could really understand how I was feeling. And when anybody would ever ask me, how are you doing, I'd say, fine, fine, everything's fine. And it wasn't until, I, you know, a cousin... Um, you know, I kind of opened the door a little bit, and his response to me was life-changing because he responded to me something, you know, he said, honestly, I'll just tell you, he said, may peace find you and wrap you like a warm blanket. You know, this is a text I get from my, my, I call my alpha male cousin, and I was blown away. I was like, how does he, where did that come from? How does he know? And then I realized, oh, my gosh, like, if he just wrote that to me, that means he understands how I feel. And if he understands how I feel, which I didn't think anybody could, that means he must have experienced it. He must have felt it. And then I was like, oh, my gosh, if he's felt it, that means other people have felt it. Other people know. And and it opened my eyes, honestly, not to look and see the walking wounded walking around me, but to realize that there's really people out there that, that could get it, that understood my pain, and and so I knew I wasn't alone. And and that that feeling right there is is when we can get to that, then we know there's hope, and we know there's there's a hand somewhere, and we can make it. Because if somebody else has felt it and they've made it through, then we can make it through as well. And and honestly, that's really what I hope our book has to clarity does for others it's that hand it's that hand to say you're not alone read the stories find your inspiration um and you know for me i really think that's the first step that's the first step through 
that connection. All right, again, the book is Chaos to Clarity. And the authors, Reverend uh, Patricia Caginello and Kathleen O'Keefe Cannabis. Thank you so much to them. Uh, really just uh, fun folks to talk to uh, about some rather heavy uh, subject matter. But um, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad we had the chance to do that. Yeah, me too. I, I actually, I really enjoyed the book. It's, it's um, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's the having the ability to to know that there's another the other side right the the grass is greener um can allow you to build that resilience and knowing that you can get through it and you can get back to where you were um i mean some of those some of those stories were you know my my initial reaction was nope not gonna happen but you know it's amazing to hear how they can do that yeah and, you know, very poignant for all the things that we were rambling about uh, prior to the interview. And, and for those of you that stuck through, um, sorry that we're a little uh, disjointed on, on this particular episode, but that's just sort of the way my brain is working right now. So that's, <laughs> you know, you want vulnerability, you want real. There you go. That's that's where we're at. I didn't want that much. <laughs> uh, all right. I, I thought we were going to just sprinkle it on a little bit here and there for, for the listener's sake, but... Yeah. Um, no, that's, no. it's real. Welcome like we, to the deep dive. We did, we're doing this show because it's real and we're vulnerable about it and it's a struggle. So, yeah. you know, to all of you who are listening, you, you benefit from our struggle. And speaking of that struggle, it's, uh, I, I suppose we should do a challenge before we get out of here. We should. What um, do you got? Last time you, last time though, you challenged me to talk to my daughter about feelings. Mm-hmm. And I have done that. And as a matter of fact, I think she's going to make a quick guest appearance. Oh, yeah? Natalie, come here. Hi. So I took on a challenge to talk to you about your feelings. About what? Have I talked to you about your feelings in the last few weeks? No. What? That's about as real as oh. it gets right there. Oh, but we have. Oh, but we didn't. Oh. <laughs> Try again, Well, you Dad. know what? You know what? I fail as a father today. No, you don't. What? Just today. Oh, yeah. Just today. Why not? Why you do I? You play during this. Ah, uh, yes. I did. Well, thank you very much. Nice. I love you. I love you. Don't forget to feel happy. <laughs> and nothing but happy all the time for your entire life. I swear that um, she rolled her eyes so hard at me that she looked at the back of her head. <laughs> awesome. All right. What do you got for me this week? All right. So I've got it. So since I apparently did not complete our challenge. Yeah, which, you suck. Yeah. I, 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 I disagree with her assessment of, of, of that question. But the challenge that I've got for you this week is to, for, for the next two weeks, to take it one day at a time, realize that while we are all running the marathon to the grave, just focus on this one mile for right now. Take it one day at a time and get through each day. Yeah. Well, there's really no other way to do it, is there? No, there's <laughs> not. But sometimes... Uh... We forget that. Yeah. All right. Challenge accepted. And uh, I challenge you to do the same, especially as we get closer to holidays and all the, 
chaos and planning and nonsense that goes into celebrating these things. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm just going to skip holidays from here on out. Yeah, that's probably the best. Cause I seem to remember last year, right after the holidays, that was the start of our conversation of, yeah, well, uh, my diet that I've been doing so good on this year just went to crap. Yep. And, so. and we still haven't recovered. I know. It's amazing. <sighs> All right. Wow. Well, I think we've we've babbled long enough. We should wrap things up. Uh, for uh, for a link to the book that we're talking about uh, on this episode, there is a link on our website, thefitmess.com. That is also where you can subscribe so you never miss an episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening and uh, for spreading the word and, and sharing wherever you can. You can also sign up for our email list at our website. Uh, all every, Basically, any way you can think of to get in touch with us, just go to thefitmess.com and uh, you'll find it all there, along with all of our past episodes and, and great blogs and, and whatnot. So that's what we've got for you for this uh, edition of The Fit Mess. Thanks for listening. We will see you again in a couple of weeks at thefitmess.com. See you, everyone. We know. This podcast is amazing and does not seem to lack anything, but we still need a legal disclaimer. Jeremy and Zach are not doctors. Please consult your physician prior to implementing any changes that you heard on this podcast. The listener assumes that Jeremy and Zach do not know what they're talking about and that you'll do your own research on the topics talked about in this podcast. The hosts of this podcast are not liable for any physical or emotional issues that might occur directly or indirectly as a result of listening to this podcast.